The National Geospatial Intelligence Agency wants intel analysts to consider services offered by commercial companies before they turn to national spy satellites and other government-developed capabilities. A forthcoming strategy document will lay out the increased commercial focus. Federal News Network's Justin Doubleday joins us now to talk about it and give us a bit of a preview of that document. Hey, Justin. Hey, Jared. So tell us a bit about this new strategy. So Vice Admiral Robert Sharp is the director of NGA, and in the coming weeks, he's expected to sign out a new commercial geospatial intelligence strategy that essentially tells intel agencies to consider commercial services and products as primary sources for intelligence before they turn to government-developed capabilities, like uh, spy satellites, as you mentioned at the top, and uh, a whole range of government-developed things that are often uh, very expensive and and time-consuming to develop. So the NGA is the functional manager for geospatial intelligence standards. And that's essentially bureaucratic speak, meaning the NGA sets all government requirements for geospatial intelligence data, including satellite imagery that is acquired by the National Reconnaissance Office. So this strategy applies to geospatial intelligence across the defense and intelligence agencies that use geospatial intelligence, not just NGA. And a little backstory, you know, Congress has been pushing the military and intelligence agencies to buy more services from the commercial space market. There is a language in the 2021 National Defense Authorization Act that actually directed NGA and NRO to give preference to cost-effective domestic commercial products and services that meet geospatial intelligence requirements. And so essentially, there's been this push to use more commercial services that maybe meet the requirements generally, uh, maybe not all the way, uh, like a, a more expensive developed, uh, government developed satellite might. But just with the commercial space market kind of growing year by year, Congress really wants these intelligence agencies to tap into that more and more. And NGA, Justin, has been singing this song for quite a few years now, the virtues of commercial satellite imagery. It sounds like, you know, part of this is just telling the rest of the AIC, hey, guys, this works really well. You ought to follow our lead. So how's it going to work in practice as that gospel spreads throughout the rest of the IC? Right. So as you mentioned, I mean, there's been this push for several years. And, you know, what what officials told me is that told me is that it's kind of a, a, a culture problem that they're trying to fix. Uh, Dave Gauthier, he's the director of commercial and business operations at NGA. He also chairs the intelligence community's commercial space council. And he previewed this new strategy a little bit at the intelligence and national security summit earlier this week out at national Harbor. I spoke to him afterward about what this new direction means. I really do think it's cultural adoption. It is changing the way uh, that our analysts and our operators think about how to solve problems. And so right now the default through you know decades of, of work and training and tradecraft is to think about our national sources first. And we're basically saying, let's pause in your thought process, think about what's commercially available and whether or not you can use that as the first source that you reference. That pause in the workflow is where we're trying to inject new capabilities and new commercial you know, solutions that most of our workforce may not even be aware of. So that's Dave Gauthier from NGA talking about a, a new commercial space across the intelligence community for uh, commercial geospatial intelligence data. 
And again, we're talking with Federal News Network's Justin Doubleday. And, and, and Justin, this, this forthcoming document, it sounds like, is going to focus on mostly NGA's role as the functional leader for, for GeoInt across the IC. But what is NGA itself focused on in this space? Right. Well, during the conference discussion, Gauthier mentioned how NGA is really focused on buying uh, commercial analytic services. And he mentioned that the agency has established uh, three new services contracts in the last six months, one for commercial synthetic aperture radar services, uh, one for radio frequency emitter alerts. So when you see you know, a radio frequency signal popping up in a place you might be interested in or an intelligence agency might be interested in, uh, they get an alert for that. And then uh, economic indications and monitoring, uh, there's now services out there that can uh, claim to essentially be able to use geospatial intelligence to um, give you indications of, of changes in economic conditions uh, on the ground. So, Gauthier said the agency is essentially looking for things that are information as a service, um, things from commercial companies, information flows that can add to how the agency develops insights about what's happening in the world. And a lot of this, Justin, has echoes of what the Space Force has been working on and, and pushing, as you've been reporting le- recently. Yeah, I mean, across uh, the the kind of national security space community, there's this big commercial push and the Space Force um, Space Systems Center is also taking a commercial first approach through its commercially augmented space internetworked operations program. Uh, Mercifully, we have an acronym for that called CASINO. And that program is building off of a DARPA experiment called Blackjack um, to demonstrate a proliferated network of low Earth orbit satellites. That essentially means hundreds of interconnected smaller satellites buzzing around in the lower atmosphere, uh, potentially doing things like providing communications, tracking missiles, providing uh, computer processing, and and things of that nature. Um, So keep in mind, this constellation hasn't uh, been demonstrated yet. Uh, it's, it's, it's still kind of in the early stages, but you know, the Air Force, the Space Force, um, the Space Development Agency too are all kind of keen on its potential. And so the casino program was established a couple of years ago to transition those types of technologies to space um, programs in the, in, in the Air Force and Space Force. Lieutenant Colonel Tim Trumelo, he's the material leader for the casino program office. And he kind of talked about their focus on how they're also trying to flip the script and look at commercial first. So we're trying to move out quickly in short periods of time and have more of that DevSecOps approach, bringing in the user up front to say, hey, you know, there's this commercial service or capability out here. Do you think that would be useful? And how would you use it, uh, you know, in a prototype perspective? So if we can prototype quickly, if, if we're going to fail, right, fail fast, but learn fast and move on, we can start to kind of get into that spiral development, uh, kind of tweaking as we go and really start to deliver meaningful capability much sooner uh, than later. That's Lieutenant Colonel Tim Tremelo. He's with the Casino Program Office at the Space Systems Command. And just last year, the, uh, the Space Systems Command established a 10-year, $12 billion other transaction agreement with the Space Enterprise Consortium. Uh, obviously, the Defense Department has been increasingly turning to these consortium arrangements to quickly make awards, prototype things. Uh, this the Space Enterprise Consortium hasn't made any awards to date, but that's, that's one to watch in this commercial space space. 
All right, and you can read a lot more about DoD and the intelligence community's focus on commercial capabilities in space at federalnewsnetwork.com. Just look for Justin's latest reporting there. Talking with Federal News Network's Justin Doubleday. Thanks a lot, Justin. Thanks, Jared. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual, actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, and then after I retired, after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm currently retired and enjoying life. And um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style? And how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I. We'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from sea to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person 
in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career, but really it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes. When I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories. Uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment. And it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons and in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but 
Your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And, and I can tell you from the US Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast, we'll see you next time. This episode is sponsored in part by U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card. You're the boss of your own life, but are you the boss of your own finances? Here at the Jordan Harbinger Show, we don't shy away from real-life conversations, and of course, one of the most taboo topics is always finances. U.S. Bank offers a wide range of credit cards for a wide variety of financial needs, and one of its most useful cards is the U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card. With a low introductory APR for 20 billing cycles, this card is a tool for getting ahead. The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card is a savvy financial tool for large purchases, unexpected expenses, and balance transfers, and with the ability to customize your payment date, this card gives you control over your financial future. Apply now at usbank.com platinum. With the U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card, have peace of mind for all your financial needs. To see if you qualify, visit usbank.com platinum. Limited time offer. The creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. Some restrictions may apply. Hi, I'm here on USPTO. It's almost the end of the year, and if you don't put me on a timesheet, I will be gone forever. Use me or lose me. Let's get away. It's getaway time. Get our best deals of the season on a new Hyundai. It's your journey. Own every mile at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now, get 0% APR for up to 36 months, plus zero payments for 90 days on select Hyundai vehicles. Hurry to your local Hyundai dealer today. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offer ends 1323. Call 1-562-314-4603 for complete offer details. As fall fills up with activities and obligations, even a small time saver can feel like a big help. Grammarly is an all-in-one writing tool that makes clear, concise communication easier than ever, so you can finish your work earlier and head off to family dinners, social events, and fall weddings. Grammarly is free to download and works where you do, so every project gets finished quicker. Make sure your writing is free of mistakes with Grammarly's free, comprehensive writing suggestions and get an instant take on how your message comes across with the free tone detector. Let Grammarly Premium's sentence clarity rewrites help you find the perfect words on the first try. You'll be confident writing client emails, deadline-driven reports, and presentations without staying late at the office. Get more time back in your day by writing with Grammarly. Go to Grammarly.com podcasts to sign up for a free account. Then get 20% off when you're ready to upgrade to Grammarly Premium. That's Grammarly.com slash podcasts.